Celebrity Podcast de Hackers. Isso é Mostrar. Good evening, everyone. Welcome back to the show. I am your host, Gummo. And I'm Crash. And here we are again. We, we are back. We, you know, we were supposed to be back uh, last week, but, you know, we, we, we had to prepare for this week. Anyhow, uh, show this is, uh, show, folks, this is show number 167. And I, uh, I did the intro the, this evening in Portuguese. And honestly, Crash, I don't know if I, I just wished everybody a happy green um thanksgiving or if i told somebody that they should cook a green cheeseburger upside down it sounded decent i mean uh, obviously there's always room for improvement for everyone i definitely need to brush up on my portuguese man well you, you know, know there's <laughs> it's been a while many resources out there there are and uh, you know there are many resources out there but uh nevertheless Welcome everybody. Welcome to the show. Uh, you know, it's been uh, it's been a couple. It's been about 14 days since we've been back here at the beach. Hey, you know what? What we, we you know, I pull all the boards are off the windows now. Finally, here, you know, we can look out. Yeah, I pulled away the sandbags and everything too. Oh my goodness, man! You know, I tell you, we we had uh, we had it was a nonstop. Uh, it was it was a ballet, and that's that's that was the reason we were out last weekend. We were trying to get the beach house back into livable conditions, you know, habitable conditions after yeah the whole project X I had experiment. Had to clean out the pools and all that too. <laughs> hey, you know, but it's good to be back here at the beach house. And how was your skydiving? Did you get a chance to go skydiving or? You know, yeah. we didn't, but we ended, we ended up going uh, to Rome for a little while. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, Rome. You know, we, we happened to get a, a private plane over there and uh, we, we, we spent the week. Wow. And uh, had some had some dinners and stuff like that. Wow. How's the food? It was good. Good. You know, I, I think I much preferred that rather than skydiving. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, you know, yeah. Maybe your skydiving training would have kicked in if something would have happened on the flight. Yeah. <laughs> our, <laughs> I don't know. our instructor, uh, I, don't, I don't know, man, just uh, AWOL. So. Well, you know, it happens. You know, people go AWOL for no reason. And it, it kind of <laughs> gets disturbing at times, you know, seeing... You know, when you think something's going to happen, and then you get the big, gigantic anticlimax. Right. Oh, my goodness. Well, you know, well, you spent some time in Rome. I spent some time at home. So, <laughs> you know, that's, uh, I guess it kind of rhymed in, in, in parallel. You know, we uh, I got, that, got the beach house here fixed up. Uh, Memorial Day is this. Uh, it's Memorial Day weekend here uh, in the United States. You know that? Yeah. Yeah. You know, folks, Memorial Day, and I'm sure you know we have done the show before on the whole Memorial Day thing uh, when it was in. We were in Chicago when it was 30 degrees during Memorial Day. Hey, it was cold. It, yeah, you know what? I actually checked the weather today in Chicago. You know how cold it is? How cold? 
it sucks man it's like it's like 52 <laughs> 53 degrees man cold windy rainy mm. that's why we don't that's why we're not there in chicago anymore man yeah uh, and now here it's uh, it's pretty sunny it's, i think it's what like 85 and sunny sunny and 85 today buddy all yeah. day long and breezy you know, too breezy yeah and you know what look at that man i've got a i've got a yeah you got a nice tan going on there you, know, you like that yeah i like, like that. that man it's the whole yeah. tan thing on you know and it's it's good to be here sitting here talking about a tan after last <laughs> monday you know i had to do the whole surgery thing you know oh uh, it wasn't that bad though it wasn't that bad and i wanted to tell everybody thank you for their uh, well wishes and everything you know that came in from the uh the social medias the emails and all of that uh folks uh you know real quick uh you you know, I'm not going to make a big long to do out of it, but I had uh, surgery uh, on my colon last uh, Monday, and uh, I'm expected to make a full recovery. So you got me for a little while longer to deal with, man. Yeah, wow. <laughs> so you know, uh, I'm on the mend, feeling good about that, and yeah, um, yeah, yeah, just getting uh, the whole cyber world back in you know check there hey uh you know i want uh, i want to i want to let you know as well we will be downtown at uh downtown jacksonville on the 4th of july okay we will we will be downtown we have a hotel and we we're not going to name the hotel <laughs> but we have access to the roof for this at this hotel for the july 4th fireworks event here in downtown jacksonville and well, you know, we have a limited amount of people, you know, guests that we can invite, but I'm going to put it out here on the show. You know, you are already coming, I assume, I hope. Yeah, I, so, I did RSVP. You did RSVP. Yeah. Or, or, or whatever the fuck it is. RSVP. a few drinks. So, yeah. Well, yeah. And so we plan on having a few more on July the 4th. Uh, and so we have a few spots available for folks. If you want to come watch the fireworks with Crash and I, reach out to us on the uh, website at where? Hackers.xxx. Shoot us an email and, uh, you know, say, hey, uh, let us know who you are and if you will be around. And if we have room, you know, we only have room for five people. So you never know, though. You know, people, people, people kind of, you know, people think that it will, you know, like in five minutes that, you know, the space will fill up, you know, Hey, listen, we vet, uh, we, we will be vetting people. <laughs> yeah. That's kind of a requirement. Yeah. Yeah. We will be vetting people. So we, uh, the, the invite goes, we've got five spots available for rooftop fireworks in downtown Jacksonville on July the 4th. If you want to join crash and I for drinks and the blast in the air, well, just let us know. <laughs> oh my goodness! Let me get that out of the way. <laughs> <I> was, <laughs> hey, you know, uh, while we were fixing up the beach house here, we uh, we got a chance to watch a couple movies, which I haven't done in a long time. Oh yeah, that was fun. Yeah, and it was fun. And uh, we watched uh, two movies. One, uh, <laughs> I don't know, but I don't. Yeah, well, yeah. So, so one of the movies we could talk about, you know, without uh, any sort of collateral. Collateral. Yeah, I like that movie. That was a good movie. Collateral is a great movie. It was. Um, that was the first time I've ever actually seen that movie. The ending was kind of interesting. It was. It was a really good movie. I enjoyed it yeah. very much. And you know, I don't. I don't watch movies that often, but when I do, I. Yeah. I try to find one that's worth watching, and so yeah, it's from two thousand four, but I'm a the, little behind. The the contents of the movie. Um, it, it's it's interesting to say the least. Uh, a Michael Mann movie, I believe. Michael Mann, and 
I can't I can't really talk about it without divulging too much information about yeah. the movie itself. Like I don't want to spoil it. Yeah, right? yeah, I wouldn't. It's just it's really cool. Give it a watch, and then um, I can't I can't even talk about the thing that I want to talk about because it's just <laughs> it's, it's it's a spoiler. So if you yeah. haven't seen the movie, folks, uh, it's called Collateral. With um, I don't know I don't know who the actors were in it, but they were fantastic as well. Right. And it, it's uh, it was made by Michael Mann. So if you have not watched the movie Collateral from 2004, you should. Very good movie. It's good. Hey, you know, uh, you know. Do you and you know you're old enough to remember, but uh, and I'm certainly old enough to remember the first generation. But uh, 3G will be shutting down. <laughs> really? Yeah, man. You know, wow. uh, Verizon Verizon will be shutting down its 3G service. Uh, AT and T and Verizon have uh, actually published guides to where uh, they describe which devices will stop working uh, after their 3G networks go offline next year. Are there any plans to migrate? No, not really. users? <clears throat> no, I mean, you know, um, you know, it, it, it's kind of like the same thing, you know, when moving everybody from the old amps cellular connection to 2G and then from 2G to, uh, you know, what is it, 2G? So, I don't know. 1G, 2G, 3G. You know, it's all, it's, it's all confusing anymore. But nevertheless, yeah. if you have an old phone that says supports 3G, you might want to really uh, consider an upgrade at this point. You know, speaking of phones, I have a flip. You know, everybody knows I have a flip phone, and so I get kind of confused. So two things. So you know, I, I rarely ever give my telephone number out, and and, and secondly, when I do, you know, um, it's 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 personal, right? When I give my telephone number out, mm-hmm. and so. I texted I, I texted Raquel up in um you know because Raquel up in Chicago you know she's been a friend of mine for years many 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 years and we have to send her a laptop by the way, uh, Raquel I texted Raquel and for, and then you know I said something and then I got a text message back then it said liked, you know mm-hmm. so like the last text message that I sent her I I got another notification back saying liked it yes. just said liked so she liked it yeah so. I was kind of, you know, I was kind of confused. I'm like, well, wait a minute. I sent her an SMS message and now I'm getting one back that says she liked the message that I sent her before. Yeah. That doesn't make any sense. And why waste the bandwidth to send, let someone know that someone liked your message? I mean, what? Be- because it's it's like comment polling, you know, in, in Facebook messaging. Uh, you know, people want instantaneous updates. So, I mean, why not waste the bandwidth? We have enough space and all this other crap that we can kind of afford it so you know it's just my personal struggle i feel like i don't really need to know whether or not you liked my reply to you from an sms message and for the fact that i have a flip phone and it's like equally trying you you got to remember that it's not designed for a hacker it's designed for your everyday consumer which it, it you know it to get into the science a little bit it invokes a dopamine response and serotonin response and so on and so forth so it it it's basically to to activate your brain's reward system right in 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 order to make you continuously text and 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 get the likes and blah 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 and now we have dark patterns in sms messages well i I call that a pattern a dark pattern there's dark patterns everywhere man i mean folks if you don't know what dark patterns are just listen to uh some part of the previous shows hey check this out crash 
audio experts over at Bose, you know, the people who make those fine headphones, uh, they just disclosed, well, it was actually disclosed uh, that earlier in March of this year, the New Hampshire's attorney general uh, by, a, by via council uh, released in a letter uh, mentioned that the uh, company Bose was the victim of a uh, ransomware attack. And so, uh, long story short, uh, the, the, the relations director, uh, jo- <laughs> Joanne something or another, uh, you know, just, uh, you know, said that, uh, you know, the, the, the company was held ransom and it, it's continuing to happen with all of these companies. And, you know, like, and like what you and I mentioned years ago, you know, it's, um, you know, it's just going to continue to getting worse. You know, you got 500,000 people, uh, 500,000 workers shortages or whatever that is in cybersecurity. Mm-hmm. It's just getting worse. And I've said it time and time again, and I'm going to say it time and time again. You need a hacker on your side. Yep. Uh, goodness, goodness. Hey, you know, <laughs> there's all kinds of funky ass shit. And this is one of them. This is one of the things that actually I think you and I had a discussion on and with ICE uh, maybe a few years ago. Listen to this. A drug dealer recently has been jailed after police tracked him down using his fingerprints from a photo he took holding a block of cheese. So they reconstructed the fingerprint? See that right there? A drug dealer has... Yeah, man. Oh, I yeah, see. I this see. Guy. Okay, yeah. That No, that's that's <laughs> nice. That's, that's actually pretty awesome. Um, Carl Stewart, 39, was sentenced to 13 years and six months in prison at Liverpool Crown Court last week. Because he pleaded guilty to conspiracy to uh, supplying cocaine, uh, conspiracy to supply heroin, MDMA, ketamine, and all kinds of other fun uh, chemicals on the uh, dark web, the free web, the all of that dark stuff. And uh, police said he was caught by <laughs> he was caught out on his own uh, on his own um, brilliance by actually taking a photo of some cheese that he likes. And he posted it on on, on uh, the social internet. media, yeah, yeah, on somewhere, and uh, you know, and there there it is. There's a photo of his hand with his fingerprints, and you know, <laughs> I think you know, I and if I'm not mistaken, I we, you and I warned about that years ago, taking photos of your fingers. Yeah, I mean, we have scientists which have devices that that are able to literally look around corners now. Without being near the corner at all, so it's no surprise that these things are going on. That we're we're having reproductions of reproductions of, of, of fingerprints. Right? Yeah, yeah, and the dangers that are associated with fingerprints in your face photos with your iris and all of that, mm-hmm. folks. Folks, what are you doing? All right. Uh, you know, I, and seriously, if I was some drug kingpin lord or whatever they are, they do or called, I wouldn't be online. That's for sure. And damn sure, would be taking photos of my hand holding a block of cheese. Yeah, what the hell's up with people, man? Hey, check this out, man. What do you think of this? Hackers foiled by shape shifting processor. The Morpheus processor continually randomizes its architecture to avoid being hacked. Oh. It looks like someone has developed a, a more secure computer processor that thwarts hackers by randomly changing its underlying structure, thus making it polymorphic, virtually impossible to hack. Oh, 
Last summer, 525 security researchers spent three months trying to hack the Morpheus processor as well as others, and of course, all attempts against Morpheus failed. The study was part of a program sponsored by the U.S. Department of Advanced Research Program Agency, a.k.a. DARPA, to design a secure processor that could protect vulnerable software. DARPA, of course, released the results of the program to the public for the first time this January, and now it's interesting to understand that this processor is a piece of computer hardware that runs software uh, that could possibly protect machines from uh, executing, uh, you know, unwarranted instruction sets. Now, I call bullshit on that. I was just going to ask, what do you think of that? Well, first of all, <clears throat> DARPA, if you're listening, send me uh, a chip and I'll break it for you. <laughs> the, the, the Morpheus processor, yeah, I love it. Yeah, second of all, because, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll go, I'll, I'll say this. I am, Watch out for the Morpheus. Yeah, yeah, no, 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 no. I am Neo. I am. So, first of all, oh we're going to go ahead and say, DARPA, if you got a, if you got a chip, or processor ready for us send it our way because you know we'll break it it's it's honestly the the challenge there and yeah. and i'm not going to give away anything other than this yeah the challenge for beating that processor is, yeah. is time that's oh, it yeah that's it that's it timing well yeah i mean that's because it's so fast it's a polymorphic processor big fucking deal mm -hmm. so anyway it's changing all the time every like what 20 milliseconds or some shit like that yeah i think it morphs it's in architecture every few milliseconds or something to that effect so. okay so i mean other it's it's really not that difficult to attack that yeah yeah and you know just you know, if if you can create a chip to thwart uh, an intended behavior, well, then you can create another chip to thwart its dethwarting uh, intentions, I suppose. So, right. You know the um, one of one of one of the uh, white papers that I was that I was searching for was actually interesting, and it talks about timing attacks on processors. But uh, you know, we'll we'll save that for another time. Hey, you know, one I'm just trying to rail through all of these because I wanted to uh, share, share something from the uh, Hacker's Time Castle. Sure. Uh, time capsule. capsule. Yeah, ca time castle. Yeah, well. <laughs> Is there something in a time castle? I don't know. I, don't I mean, like technically it the, the capsule's a castle for the data or whatever the hell's inside of it. That is true. Yeah. All right. Well, here we go. Take a look at this. SpaceX is causing a rift because uh, the residents in Brownsville, Texas, say it's shattering, literally shattering their windows, shattering their lives, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, Business Insider reports that residents of Brownsville in Texas are, are divided because the town is now home to the, you know, SpaceX rocket production facilities. You know how eco-friendly rocket mm -hmm. production is. Uh, and so, uh, you know, which is uh, about 20 miles south of the SpaceX launch facility on the Gulf Coast. Uh, you know, when they, uh, the, the whole thing is that, uh, every time a rocket blows up on the launch pad, it hurls debris into the nearby sanctuaries, the nature sanctuaries, uh, you know, like, uh, real dangerous chemicals and, and stuff to that effect. Yeah, and they're just going into nature sanctuaries. And so, yeah. you know, you've got things exploding and, you know, I, I think if it's really, you know, if, uh, if, you know, and I don't want to get onto the whole thing, but yeah, uh, I, there's there's I, no real um, there's no real ecological consideration going on there. If if you want to uh, discuss uh, SpaceX and ecology and yeah, all that shit, so. it's it's all Jesus fucking.
guys. It's all just a bunch of fucking bullshit, to be honest. Yeah. It's it's. I mean, you got super gigafactories. You got a, a combustion rockets. Mm-hmm. You know, there all kinds of funky shit. Y- yeah, and and just just real quick, every time these rockets enter in. Or, or leave and ent- re-enter our atmosphere. It's mm-hmm. purging off a little bit of our atmosphere each time. It so, is. Yep. You know, and, and that's non-replenishable. Yeah. So let's uh, keep pun- punching holes through the uh, atmosphere. That's what you want to do on a planet. Yeah, man. Well, I mean, it, there's it a way to do it. The the, the <sighs> anyway, whatever. This yeah. Just be, you know, let's just keep screwing and screwing things up. Yeah, man. Let's keep gaslighting technology. Hey. <laughs> Uh, folks, real quick, fossil fuels. <laughs> fossil fuels to charge the electricity. Yeah, to charge your electricity. So, yeah, think about that. Uh, let, I'll tell you what. Let's uh, go back. Let's take a trip down uh, memory lane into the hacker's time capsule, and we will be back after this. way to get a large computer application developed involves a big team of people working in close coordination. Most of the time this works surprisingly well, but it does have its problems. And large projects tend to get done poorly. They take a long time. They consume an astonishing amount of money. And in many cases, the individual team members are dissatisfied. So everybody in the computing business is constantly searching for ways to do a better job of developing computer applications. There aren't likely to be any final answers, both because the problems are hard and because as we find solutions, we try even more ambitious objectives. But there are some things that can be done to make life easier for everybody on a large programming project. A good programming environment helps a lot. And in the next few minutes, we're going to show you some of the properties of the Unix operating system that make it a good programming environment for many purposes. In Bell Labs, as in many industries, almost everyone has some kind of involvement with software. Either they are actually producing software, and that is their job, or they are impacted by software, or they use software. In fact, at Bell Labs, about 50% of the people are actually producing software, and everyone else has some kind of involvement with it. In fact, that's one of our worst problems today. There is a crying need for useful software to do effective jobs. We just do not have enough people to write all that software. Keeping large amounts of software working, and keeping it working in the face of change is a big job. It takes a lot of skilled people to do this. Now, software is different from hardware. When you build hardware and send it out, uh, you may have to fix it because it breaks, but you don't demand, for example, that your radio suddenly turn into a television. And you don't demand that a piece of hardware suddenly do a completely different function. But people do that of software all of the time. There's a continual demand for changes, enhancements, new features that people find necessary once they get used to a system. In other words, we put the system out there, people get used to it, their jobs change, they come back with more demands for different sorts of, of features in the system. The result is there's no way to get perfect requirements in the first place, and that means that we have to build the software to be very change tolerant. 
because we do not want to throw the software away the year after we wrote it. There are a couple ways to do that. One is to make the software fairly clear and easy to read and understand and change, and you do that with some of the current popular structured programming techniques. Another way is to write many, many small modules of code. That way, when you have a change, perhaps you only throw out a few small modules or make changes in a few modules rather than in thousands and thousands of lines of code. What we should be doing in the computing business is trying to raise the level at which we work so that a programmer can write a few lines of code that turn into many, many instructions in the machine. That way, when changes need to be made, one just changes a few lines of code rather than thousands and thousands of them. In the mythical man months, Fred Brooks estimates that it took 5,000 staff years of effort to produce the operating system for IBM's 360 series computers. Clearly, nobody is going to do that sort of thing very often, certainly not for every new type of hardware or for every new class of application. Someone once said that software stands between the user and the machine, and to me this conveys this picture of a great wall of software up there that you have to overcome to get anything done. There's certainly a grain of truth in the remark anyway. Um, if you stop to look, many, many operating systems seem to spend a substantial fraction of their time and effort not in helping you, but in impeding you, in, in making your job difficult, sort of providing obstacles to be overcome. When Ken Thompson and Dennis Ritchie started building the Unix system in 1969, they found a structure which simplified many aspects of the interactions between computers and people. Thompson and Ritchie were aiming to keep their system simple, and they found a collection of primitives that enabled them to do a great deal with a very few primitives. A Unix system is made up sort of three layers, if you like. The central layer, the kernel, is the thing that controls the resources of the machine. Then wrapped around that, at least in conceptually, is something called the shell, which is the interface between most users and the kernel part. It sits there and waits for you to type commands at it, and then it interprets them. And then around that, sort of an, yet another layer, are useful programs, things like editors and compilers for programming languages and document formatting programs and programs that you write yourself. And what you can do is to think of these Unix system programs, basically, as in some sense the building blocks with which you can create things. And the thing that distinguishes Unix system from many other systems is the degree to which those building blocks can be glued together in a variety of different ways, not just obvious ways, but in many cases very unobvious ways, to get different jobs done. Uh, the system is very flexible in that respect. I, I think the notion of pipelining is the fundamental contribution. If the system is you can take a bunch of programs, two or more programs, and stick them together end to end so that the data simply flows from the one on the left to the one on the right. And the system itself looks after all of the connections, all of the synchronization, making sure that the data goes from the one into the other. The programs themselves don't know anything about the connection. As far as they're concerned, they're just talking to the terminal. Now let me give you an example um, of how this works in practice. The system, as I mentioned, has, is used a lot for document preparation kinds of things, uh, programs for helping you type letters or produce technical papers or write books. In all of those things, of course, people, when they're typing at the machine, make spelling mistakes. So let's see how we could use some of these building block notions in practice to help you develop a program for finding spelling mistakes. Suppose I take a sentence. This is a sentence which 
is in a paper that John Mashey and I wrote um, some years ago now. If you look at it carefully, you'll see that there are actually a couple of spelling mistakes in there. Now, suppose that we wanted to find the spelling mistakes using a machine. How would we do that? Well, basically what we would do, the simplest thing I can think of, is to split the, the sentence there into words, individual words, and then compare the words against a dictionary. And every time we find a word which is in that sentence, but not in a dictionary, it's at least a plausible contender for being a spelling mistake. Now, how do we do that? What I want to show is that you can do that using just existing Unix programs, just gluing them together to get the job done. Suppose that we say, first we'll take a program called MakeWords, and we'll run that on the sentence. Now what that does is to break the thing up into one word per line. Now I'll take the output and I'll pipe it into another program which will simply convert it into lowercase. The reason I want to convert it into lowercase is that my dictionary doesn't have any capitalizations and so words like Bell and Unix which are capitalized here would show up as spelling mistakes unless I did this. Now the next thing that I want to do, my dictionary is in fact sorted in alphabetical order as dictionaries are, and so it's a lot easier for me to compare the words of my document to the words in the dictionary if they're sorted, so I'm going to run them into sort. And finally, if you look at it carefully, it doesn't show up very easily here, but there are in fact, there is a duplicate word there, systems appears twice, and in a real document, words like THE would show up many times, so we'd like to get rid of duplicates. So let's throw that through another program called Unique. So what we've got so far is we've got the words of my document, in this case the sentence, one word per line, in lowercase, neatly sorted, and all of the duplicate words thrown away, so there's only one word, one instance of each different word. And then what I'm going to do is run it into one last program called Mismatch, which will simply print all of the words that came down this pipeline, and print out the ones that were in the document that weren't in the dictionary. So what we have here is five separate programs cooperating to do this job, and in one giant pipeline. Now if you look at the list that came out, you'll see that indeed we got laboratories and provide, which were our two spelling mistakes. And of course we got two other words as well, and this tells you not only what's good about the approach, but also what's bad about it. Um, Time-sharing is not a spelling mistake, but it's a perfectly fine example of technical jargon, the sort of thing that means something to everybody in the computer business. It means nothing whatsoever to people who are not computer types. And the word Unix is a fine example of something that's not going to be found in a normal dictionary. So what do we do? First, we take the misspelled words and we go back to the original document and we correct them so we don't have any spelling mistakes. Secondly, we take the words that like time-sharing and Unix that are not spelling mistakes but which showed up here, and we put them back into our dictionary so that the next time somebody has a document that contains Unix or time-sharing, they don't show up as spelling mistakes. So we've not only done our own job, but we've improved the tool that we're using in the process. So you notice that I did that whole job without writing any programs at all. The whole thing is cobbled together out of programs that already existed, and all I did was to use the fact that the system provides this mechanism of the pipeline so that I can take programs and stick them together one after another to get my job done. And I think this is one of the reasons why the system is so productive, that there's a large collection of things that people have already built that we use, and as we build our new things, then they become part of the repertoire of things that people subsequently can build on.
During the last decade, we have discovered a number of new, powerful pattern matching algorithms that are useful for locating patterns in text. Many of these algorithms have been developed using insights obtained from theory, obtained by studying automata and language theory. As our knowledge of pattern matching algorithms increases, we can very quickly take this knowledge and package it in the form of Unix programs. And we can spread these Unix programs to the entire community very quickly. Unix Systems has many features which make it easier for the programmer to write programs. These include formatless files, the hierarchical directory structure, the ability to pipeline the output of one command as the input of another, device-independent I.O. All of these things make programming considerably easier than on most other systems. The heart of the system is really the file system, the, the ability to store information for extended periods of time. And the reason, one of the reasons the system works as well as it does is that the file system is well designed. And many systems you have to say an awful lot about a file before you can do anything with it. You have to say where it is and how big it is and what kind of information it's going to, that's going to be in it. All kinds of things that are basically utterly completely irrelevant. Here, you don't have to do any of that. A file is as big as it is, it doesn't matter where it is as long as you know what it's called. And so you basically don't have to think of any of those complexities that you have in other systems. When you want information in a file, you put it there. When you want it back, you get it out again. And you don't have to think about size or number of records or number of fields or anything like that unless it's really germane to your program. For most purposes, it's utterly irrelevant. A file is simply a sequence of bytes. Its main attribute is its size. By contrast, in more conventional systems, a uh, file has dozen or so attributes. To specify or create a file, it takes endless amounts of chit-chat. If you want a Unix system file, you simply ask for a file, and you can use it interchangeably wherever you want a file. The Unix system consists of a hierarchy of directories, which a directory is simply a file that contains the names of either other directories or files. And this whole thing goes on recursively. When you log into a Unix system, you normally are sitting in a place that's called your home directory, or your user's directory. And I can say PWD, which means print the name of my working directory, and it'll tell me where I am. It says at the moment that I'm in user BWK. And that's where I start when I log in. Now, I can go up a level in that. I can change to parent level. And now, if I print my working directory, I'm in slash user. And I can go up one more level to the root of the whole file system. Let me go back down to BWK, and I can list the, direct, the files that I have in that directory. And I find there, among other things, a directory called TV. And I can list the files that are there, and I'll find, among other things, the sentence that we printed in the spelling mistake finding program. Let me look at that, and sure enough, there it is. So as you can see, the file system hierarchy makes it possible for users to organize information into its natural grouping and to go up or down and find things quickly and easily. The Unix system interface for most people is through a program called the shell or the command interpreter. And basically, it's simply a program that watches what you type and treats it as requests to run particular programs. Now, there's nothing magic about 
running programs. The programs that you run are actually just the names of files in the file system. The shell searches in the file system in a particular way to find a file whose name is the name of the program that you think you're running, and it goes and executes it. And in fact, it's not possible for you as a user, just by executing a program, to tell how that particular program has been implemented. For example, it might have been written in a language like Fortran or C, or it may have in fact been written as something like the spell program that we talked about earlier, which is a combination of other programs stuck together with pipes or some similar thing, and all put in a single file as a shell sequence or sequence of commands. What Brian did earlier was he typed all the commands, the, the five program names, uh, for his spelling checker on one line using the pipeline facilities. Now that's nice, except that you may want to check documents uh, often, and you don't want to have to type that long sequence of commands. So it's possible to put all of these commands in a file and tell the shell, when uh, I type the name of that file, I want you to execute the commands that are inside that file. Let me show you an example of this. We have a program called Spline, which uh, fits uh, curves to a set of data points. And I've got a set of five data points that we're going to see what the curve looks like. I'm going to run Spline through uh, a program that turns uh, this into graphics called Graph. And I'm going to run that through a, spe a special program that turns the graphic language into uh, something specific for this terminal. I only need to type plot and data because inside the file plot is this string of commands. And here is the result of plotting those five data points on this particular terminal. The ability to put commands in files and only have to type the file name to get these commands executed makes the computing business a lot easier. Often you're doing things that are repetitive and you don't want to have to type uh, long lists of things. This makes our life much easier and allows us to tailor our environment for the way we want to work. Another nice feature of the Unix programming environment is the concept of input-output redirection. Normally, when you type a command, the output from it goes to your terminal and the input comes from your keyboard. However, the shell can be told by a simple notation that when you run a program, you wish the output to be directed into a file or that the input be taken from a file. For example, to print the output of my spelling program on the line printer instead of putting it on my terminal, all I have to do is say, my spell sentence greater than device line printer rather than my spell sentence. And the output goes into a file, what looks like a file, except that it's actually a file that causes the line printer to spring into action and print my three or four spelling mistakes on the line printer. On many systems, redirection of input and output is literally impossible because the programs have wired into them the notion that they have to read or write the user's terminal, and there's simply no way to convince them otherwise. They have to do that. Here, that is not the case. Here, any program can have its input or output redirected because the input and output redirection is handled not by the individual program, but by the shell. And so that way it applies to all programs without any exception at all. And in fact, this goes a little further than you might expect, because not only are parts of the disk files as they are in other systems, but in addition, the 
I.O. devices, the peripheral devices connected to the computer, are also files in the file system. For example, the line printer and the tape drive and even the thing that dials telephone numbers are all devices in the file system. And the same program that will copy information from one disk file to another disk file will also copy information from a disk file to the line printer or from the magnetic tape drive to the printer. The same program, exactly. A good operating system is easiest for a programmer to use if the programming language fits with the style of the system. So along the way in the course of the Unix system development, Dennis Ritchie created the C language. C is a very nice high-level language with many of the modern programming constructs in it. The thing that's very important about it is that it lets you avoid the details of the machine when you want to, but when you need to, and sometimes when you're writing an operating system, you really do need to, you can get at the details of the machine and control everything. But you're not forced to do that, and that's important because that means you can write operating systems in this language and still have something that can be portable to other machines. The Unix system has been moved to many, many different kinds of computers. Again, that means that people can ignore the details of what a machine is underneath and get on with their job. Now, so at that level, C is by far the favored language. At the next level, the shell programming language is very popular. In fact, on some machines, people find that the shell meets all of their programming needs. They are writing lots of procedures to help them manage their work. They don't even have to go to a language at the level of, of C. As it happens, though, because the system is such a pleasant programming environment, programmers all over the world have imported or added their own languages. So, for instance, you can find Fortran, Algol, Lisp, BASIC, in fact, almost any language you can think of exists on some Unix system somewhere. What's important about the Unix system is not so much what Ritchie and Thompson put into it as what they were able to leave out of it. Rather than produce a large number of primitives, each one complex, they were able to choose a small number of simple primitives which could be fitted naturally together to accomplish complex tasks. This structure of the operating system makes it natural and easy for people who create applications to produce applications in that same style. For example, as the scale of integration of silicon circuits gets ever larger, we find it necessary to have more and more sophisticated design aids to help people create large-scale integrated circuits. Our existing design aids are advanced and effective, but advances in VLSI create a need for even better tools. Rather than produce those tools in the form of one humongous program designed to do everything, the people here have been producing small packages, each designed to do some individual function that's helpful in the design of integrated circuits. Then these individual packages can be combined using shell procedures to design a part of a circuit or a circuit, and the parts of a circuit can be combined to make a whole circuit. Steve Johnson is one of the people who has been involved in this effort. He is currently working on a program called LGEN, which takes Boolean equations as input and produces logic circuit designs as output. Because tool building is such a way of life on the Unix system, over the years we've developed tools that actually help us make other tools. These involve things like parser generators, lexical analyzer generators, and other programs that help us uh, organize and develop tools.
these tools have been used in the development of LGEN and many other applications. Here we see the Boolean equations for a simple pattern. Down here we have the equations for the carry out and the sum. In the middle we have some descriptions as to how we would like the cell to be laid out geometrically. You see we would like the two inputs on the left side, the carry in on the bottom, the carry out on the top, and the output on the right side. The input equations first have to be processed so that they can be more easily represented in silicon. This process is very similar to recognizing common sub-expressions in the input of a compiler. Input language, the Boolean equations, are read and processed by a program called YAC, which was originally developed to help us build compilers, but has in fact been used in a large number of application programs as well. YAC is based on the theory of LALR1 parsing, represents, it builds a small finite state machine uh, which is able to control the actions of the program which reads the input, detect errors accurately, and structure the input in such a way that the program can then go ahead and, and perform its uh, operations on it. After these equations have been processed, it's then necessary to worry about the geometric layout of the circuit. This is done in the next two portions of LGEN. The first program worries about the ordering of these columns. Uh, it uses a technique called graph partitioning to attempt to iteratively come up with a good solution to what is in fact an extremely difficult problem in theory. After the columns have been ordered, then the tracks where the signals run are laid out as well by another program. And finally, in some sense, we now have the circuit designed, and it's simply a question of realizing it with the particular rules for our fabrication process. Uh, and that is done by a fourth program. So once again, we have an example of taking a very complex problem, dividing it into pieces, representing each piece with a separate program and then using the facilities of the Unix system to glue the pieces together into a coherent whole again. Computing is going to be more and more interwoven with people's lives as the years go by. So computer technology is going to have to evolve to be easier for people to use. The Unix system is not the end of the road in this regard, but I think it's a good step along the way. Wow, that was a heavy landing. Jesus. That whole tacker's time capsule. Every time I get out of that thing, it lands. The, the, My God. All the it's, it must be the gravity distortion mechanism. I don't know, but uh, it's good to be back here in 2021. Uh, well, that was that. Uh, 
I don't know what else to say. Uh, you know, folks, I wanted to say, take time out real quick and say, we were going to uh, go through the mailbag tonight, but honestly, I don't feel like logging in. And uh, neither does Crash. <laughs> Uh, and so uh, I, I think what we're going to do is just kind of, uh, you know, uh, chuck it chuck it up from there and uh, peeling out of here. You know, why waste your time? Uh, I, I did want to say thank you for tuning into the show. Check it, check us out uh, on uh, all of the major streaming platforms. We are there. Just search for us. Uh, just search for hackers. Uh, you know, we're also on some of those uh, little speaky uh, speaker device things. I don't know how to get a hold of us on those things because we don't use them anymore. And, of course, you can visit us on our website at hackers.xxx. And also, I'm on Twitter once in a while. So, uh, with all of those fun options that you have, we still have not gotten around to updating the website from last year. However, we had someone, uh, a talented artiste, volunteer for some new artwork for the site. So, we will see how that unfolds. And, yeah, golf clap. Thank you. Thank you. And so we are working, uh, as, as you can tell, folks, we are working nonstop around the clock, hard as we can on the show and the website. And with that, I, I just wanted to say thank you uh, sincerely, though, with all bullshit inside. Thank you very much for everything that you guys have uh, said in, in support of uh, Crash and I. Uh, you know, hey, somebody has mentioned. <laughs> hey, someone mentioned to me. <laughs> That's hey, someone mentioned that uh, we should do merch, man. Should and we though? We, you know, I've thought. I think we can monetize. We, uh, with we, all the copyright. We cannot do. The <laughs> <laughs> we can't. So that's what you know. Well, we're not going to. I mean, we, we, probably, we could probably could figure that. We could probably hack it. Yeah, we, we probably we, could, but I let's mean, hack it. Yeah, we're not no, for real. Let's hack it though. Um, yeah, we, we, we could probably. Should we do that merch? Out. I mean, yeah, what, I like, like t-shirts and who, stickers. And, yeah, whomever uh, thought of that, good idea. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, we've got the whole. <laughs> Doesn't mean we'll capitalize on it. But we'll think about it yeah i mean i think if we offer merch the only thing we can do is just give it away and so i have no problem mm, with that yeah that's pretty cool actually i mean you that's know pretty cool literally I mean, it, we'll just give it away yeah i mean think about it the only podcast that just gives shit away well that's what we sh that's what podcasts should do man why the oh, hell yeah. subscribe for this and sign up for that that's yeah ridiculous. you guys want a free sh uh, or you just want a t-shirt here free merch let yeah. us know well don't even call it free just call it you know merch just call it merch. You Shit. Want, yeah, just things. You want a fucking hat? Come here. There, take it. You want you want a cup? Here, take it. We want to know what you guys think. Do you guys want a hat, t-shirts, stickers for your laptop? I mean, you know, I don't know. Yeah, that could be a little bit much. Could be costly. I mean, I well, I don't mind. I mean, so we just got to make sure that there's no money changing hands. Well, yeah, that's true. We'll figure that out, if, folks. If you guys want t-shirts and all that fun stuff, let us know. We'll 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 keep that on the one of the front burners. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I like it. And me too. It's a good idea. It's a great idea. Uh, other than that, I'm going to get out of here. We're going to scoot out of here. And again, folks, uh, remember we got the whole July 4th thing in downtown Jacksonville coming up. So if you want to come and hang out with Crash and I for the fireworks and festivities, let us know. We're going to be downtown Jacksonville on the river, right there on the river. On the, We will be on the west side of the river. So if you come down to see us and you wonder what side of the river we're on, you know, there's two sides of the river. There's the east, there's the east side, and then there's the west side, and we'll be on the west side where all the hotels are. Yeah. Yep. We'll be in one of those hotels. Uh, what else do I got? Uh, that's about... That's it. We got to get out of here. I got to go fishing. <laughs> you know, I got to catch some rainbow snapper, some rainbow trout, some, some this, some that. And the other. 
and the other. Let's get out of here there, man. Uh, folks, we love you all. Take care of yourself. Please use your skills for something good. Love, care, and share. And until next time. Adios. That's it. We're out of here. We'll see you again later. Bye, folks. Hasta luego. <laughs>